right. Welcome back to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia, and with me, I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins. Hi, everyone. And... <laughs> hey, Drew. It's been a while. It has been a while, yeah. Over a month, I think. A very exciting guest today. Drew and I have talked a lot about the costumes on girls and how the clothes just play such a big role in the character development and understanding where these women are in their lives. And now looking back later, uh, the outfits really solidify girls as this kind of true to life period piece. So without further ado, we have Jen Rogan, the Emmy winning costume designer behind the incredible and idiosyncratic looks on girls. It is such an honor to have you. Thank you yeah. so much. Hi, it's amazing to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, like we are truly thrilled to get to geek out about <laughs> the costumes. Um, I mean, just talk about the show in general. I mean, I feel like it's now, I guess we're a year out now from the actual 10 year anniversary of the show, but it's been having such a cultural renaissance almost these past few months. And uh, I like the aesthetics and the styling of it are such a core component to why I think it's like really resonating for people again. Oh man. So funny. Cause it was, we shot it 11 years ago and I've talked more about girls in the last couple of months than mm -hmm. in the intervening since it went off the air, but I've also been running into either young actors in my fitting room or friends of friends. And they're like, Oh yeah, girls. Huh? I heard of that show. Heard it was a big deal. It's, it's this amazing dichotomy of people who are read into it, sort of as a as a uh, anthropological cap time capsule, and then a bunch of people who are like, "Yeah, I heard of it. I have no opinion on. Never seen it. Never watched it." Um, it's yeah, it's, it's a really interesting moment I was having again. Mm -hmm. Gen Z totally not hip to girls. It's it's. I guess before their time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so much content has exploded. I mean, there are streaming networks that exist now that were not even in development at the time that we were working yeah. on. HBO was just starting to engage with social media. And I found that out because Lena had joined Twitter as we were prepping season two. Mm -hmm. And everyone was watching her Twitter numbers sort of go up exponentially as she started tweeting about the show because season one was premiering as we were as we were going into prep season two so that was a whole new landscape especially for people like me behind the scenes where social media had never been a factor in engaging directly with an audience in a way that a show was publicized in affecting a level of immediacy that mm -hmm. i'm still not used to everything i work on takes at least to come out so in my head it's old news <laughs> because I'm usually working on something else I have I don't know if it's an occupational hazard or not but my memory has let go of all of those things so you know huge apologies if I forget some of the real nitty-gritty that's <laughs> no it's it's, it's totally yeah it's it feels like forever ago but also in a lot of ways it feels like yesterday I feel like Gen Z even if they're not necessarily clued in on girls are really engaging with costume design writ large as a medium these days like tiktok i mean euphoria obviously gets a lot of real estate like 
and mood boards. And more recently, people were really talking about the White Lotus costuming with like Haley Lou Richardson's character as sort of this like avatar for explicitly TikTok inspired fits for lack of a better word (laughs) i mean that's an appropriate word absolutely yeah Yeah, i was i'm a huge white lotus fan so i was watching some of that discussion happen and my takeaway was what a testament to the power of costume design and i think you're right i think that people are starting to acknowledge though there was a moment where there were a couple pieces that went out at the end of the year that celebrated costume design but didn't actually acknowledge that they were costumes Mm -hmm. um so that was frustrating from a bystander as a as a bystander watching that discussion happen um because costume design does have a a, it i think has a huge impact even if it's not explicit all of those clothes are telling something about the characters whether it's euphoria or white lotus or even something that's not necessarily fashion driven um or that's supposed to be about character looks those clothes are all telling you something they're all conveying Mm -hmm. information you know what this person does for a job if like even like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, mm-hmm. they have huge volumes of costumes. They're not flashy. They may not necessarily be quote unquote iconic or fun to talk about, but all of those clothes are giving you information about the story, about the characters, about what they do. You know, Uniforms tell you exactly what a character is, what they do, who they are, how they function. And then the fun of that is finding out whether or not that uniform is hiding something or mm-hmm. is a front for something. That's what Orange is the New Black was all about, which was a huge uniform show. And I spent a year explaining that there was a costume designer behind that show Yeah, where, you know, girls, everyone was like, oh my God, these clothes are amazing, which was shocking. First of all, because they were so many of those clothes were from the thrift store. So many, like, okay. I can't even tell you. <laughs> um, and the rest of them were discount because, you know, the, the girls had no money. The show, we didn't know if it was going to be a hit or even mm. land an audience when we were making the first season so we sort of went where the girls would really go to shop so so much thrifting so much mm-hmm. thrifting you know high street and then where we could we'd layer in some century 21 r.i.p um yeah so yeah i i think you're right that costume design is sort of having a moment in a really good way in a way that's really enhancing stories and in a way that audiences are connecting to and and tracking and talk about, which is insanely gratifying from from my my seat yeah so i guess going back to girls specifically how does it feel looking back on those choices that you made as a designer on the show and like where it kind of sits within that cultural era Oh, wow. Um, that's a challenge question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I haven't gone back and rewatched the show. Um, but whenever someone tells me that watching it, I always ask them, does it hold up? Does it look ridiculous? Um, because it is now it's a period show. It mm-hmm. is the the moment 2010 took off with thrift clothing being a way a means of self-expression uh that i used uh street style was becoming a thing for the very first time because of social media you had i had access to all of these images that i wouldn't necessarily have images of right away you know i could look at looks outside the shows at new york fashion week i could look at other international fashion weeks and and 
pull inspiration and pull elements of that into dressing Jessa into, you know, what does, what do young professionals look like when we were dressing Marnie? Like that, that was something we hadn't had before is that depth and breadth of digital inspiration. And so for me, it's, it's a little bit more looking at the mechanics of designing a show like that and how Mm -hmm. much it, how much things have changed and how much instant access we all of all of a sudden had and, and the way that the show connected with an audience sort of viscerally mm-hmm. and immediately was something that we hadn't had before. So for me, it's tough to look at the design choices because they were all about character. Like yeah. some of the ugliest clothes you've ever seen on screen were on that show <laughs> very much on purpose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How do you convey that someone is a hot mess? They're making horrible decisions. There may or may not be alcohol involved. They are at a time in their lives where things don't have huge consequences quite yet. I mean, there are, that's a blanket statement, obviously mm-hmm. like some things do, but you know, being drunk and stupid, isn't going to necessarily ruin your life forever. It might, um, and you sort of see that through the storylines, but how do you reflect that through the clothes? You make some crazy choices because yeah. the characters are young and you've got latitude to do that. And then you end up with some truly iconic, truly ugly stuff that, that adds up to hopefully something. And it sounds like it did that. That's really memorable. That really sticks with, you know, the audience that watched it. I mean, it definitely does have a very early twenties kind of feel like where you have a few big pieces that you're really proud of and want to trot off, but you have no idea how to actually pair them with anything that resembles real style. So like it ends up either a little gaudy, tacky, or just like laundry basket vibes. (laughs) Well, and that where you're in your twenties and you're either really trying hard to follow the rules of what you should look like for the job that you have mm-hmm. and then what you should look like that when you when you go out with your friends and what you should look like or you're really against that I'm thinking of sort of Hannah and Marnie in those two moments where at the beginning of that series Marnie is trying so hard to be what she's supposed to be to dress how mm-hmm. she's supposed to dress and she's 20 young 20s wearing all of these fitted little sheet dresses from Tahari like who does that now nobody does that now <laughs> but that's the way that in 2010 young professional women were dressing in New York. I can't speak to outside of New York, you know, where Hannah was like, I don't want to be what anybody tells me I'm supposed to be. I want to do my own thing. I want to have my own vibe and I'm going to look like the laundry basket exploded on me (laughs) as I go to work. Yeah, Yeah. I, the Marnie in a, in a purple structured cocktail dress at a Bushwick warehouse party comes to mind. (laughs) Yep. Yep. completely inappropriate for the moment because you think it's this is what I'm supposed to wear and this is the nicest right. thing I have in my closet and this might be the mm-hmm. biggest night of my life and it's literally the worst thing you could possibly wear you know I mean all four of the girls in that episode were specifically heightened to reflect exactly that like Marnie's she thinks she's supposed to dress for a cool party and Shoshana loses her sequin skirt halfway through the episode yeah. and runs around in her yeah that episode was really fun it was really fun to shoot no the, uh, the outfit from that episode I always think about is Jess's look like the <laughs> kind of brocade Crazy kimono feathers. like it's um it's like Galliano a little bit but very like kind of what you can get from the from the basement yeah yep there was a moment I went to the Met for one of the big costume exhibits 
sorry about the dogs barking y'all <laughs> work from home um I went to one of the big costumes a couple years ago and there was a moment I walked around the corner and there was a dress with shoulder feathers just standing there and I was like huh that wow yeah, weird and you know it's fashion never nothing is ever gonna be as as that first one was and so it was sort of saying that mm-hmm. there was a Jessa homage my outfit for Jessa was an homage to a couture designer who'd done yeah. something like that you know it probably 80s 90s so it's really fun when those moments happen or when I see things come around and I'm like oh I, I use that on a show and now it's there again and yeah yeah so you mentioned thrifting earlier as a big reference point and I, I mean you also briefly touched on social media a little bit too like what were some of your main other reference points and like how much actually did like social media factor and how you styled each of the girls specifically because the first couple seasons because social media was just becoming the place where everyone was exchanging ideas and I actually didn't even join Instagram until a couple years after that one of the girls on orange actually was like no no you'll love it that's where all the inspiration is you'll you'll love it Mm -hmm. and so I ended up joining um but there was definitely I think man repeller was getting off the ground yeah in those middle mm-hmm. seasons so there was a lot of inspiration there because it wasn't super polished at that point it was still pretty you know ground up um I don't know if Leander even had writers at that point like that was getting off the ground um Vogue and Elle had just started doing uh street style I mean now we call them carousels but they were street style slideshows at mm-hmm. that point uh, so the later seasons, I do remember looking at some of those. And like when Shoshana went to Tokyo, that was when we really leveled leveraged social media and digital fashion media in order to get images of what people were doing on the streets of Japan, not from, you know, the streets of Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that was really fun. But so much of it was just people watching through Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. The show was set in Brooklyn. We shot in Long Island City. I live in Brooklyn. I've lived in Brooklyn for longer than girls <laughs> was on the air <laughs> and so a lot of it was people watching and a lot of we had a lot of young cast and you know I would turn around and ask my team like where's everybody going and I don't even think house of yes was a thing yet it had started to become mm-hmm. a thing towards the later seasons but you know I would ask the PAs on my team where where is the party this time and it was Williamsburg now it's Bushwick like Brooklyn keeps expanding and I think the girls sort of would be on that trajectory if they were still roaming around screens today. Um, but yeah, social media was interesting because it was out there. I wasn't personally on it yet, but we were using it to the extent we could access it. Um, but at the same time, the girls weren't that polished. So there was a lot of trying to pull it back from looking too styled, from looking costume designed um, until we started encountering characters that were a bit further in their careers, a bit more professional mm-hmm. uh, or a little bit more, I mean, no one was ever really that fashion forward on the show until we got to Jet Alliance. And then we had Jet Alliance on the show. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I feel like it was a big moment in 2012 for like indie music and blogs. Like the internet looked different and like pop feminism, all the different kind of conversations that were happening. Oh, thousand percent. Everyone had digital newsletters at that point instead of having, I don't I don't know, instead of having feeds. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's crazy how much has changed in 10 11 12 years I feel like and no one could really settle on 
a style. It was all kind of chaotic. There was the American apparel style. So it, oh, it's really fun to, wow. yeah. <laughs> fun to watch the girls kind of develop and along with this schizophrenic fashion world. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what was going on. <laughs> Julie and I, so Julie and I went to high school together. That's important context, but we were in high school during the early season, I guess maybe just the first two seasons. So we were kind of living vicariously through the show a little bit as two high schoolers in the DC suburbs who had like absolutely zero personal style whatsoever. Like everything was Patagonia and North Face. And I mean, I'm sure Julia was too, but I was on a very- Now you would be 1000% on point because everything's now again, (laughs) Patagonia and North Face. Now I'm so glad I kept all my J. Crew stuff from college and like late high school because finally I can like trot it back out again. And it's uh, it's like ALD adjacent, I I guess. I have to say the 90s is killing me. I lived through that the first time and Mm -hmm. I can't believe I didn't keep any of it. Yeah. As it fades out, like this stuff is so ugly. Get rid of it. And now I could use all of it on TV. Well, it's interesting to see like 20, like early 2010 style kind of come back around a little bit. Like that micro indie sleaze trend that happened last year. Oh, it kind of yeah. came and went a little bit, but like there was a big brief moment. It was for a moment. It, I think. Yeah. Well, and trends cycle through so much faster now. Yeah, it, it, it'll be over before you even knew it was a thing mm-hmm. unless you are following certain feeds on TikTok and mostly TikTok to be honest yeah it's crazy to see like the transition from Tumblr when Julie and I were in high school to like what high schoolers actually see now as their like fashion diet for lack of a better term it's it's definitely interesting I feel like teenagers now have more defined personal style if not better personal style necessarily but like definitely they're taking more swings than I think people in our position did I think there's more exposure now Mm -hmm. and it's something when I design young characters now and I pitch things I have to really explain it because there's a lot more global reach and a lot of times my creative team won't get it or they'll think it's too styled and they'll think it's too this. I'm like, but you don't, you don't understand that everyone has access to fashion inspiration and fashion mm. images in a way that we didn't. I'm speaking of me being an older member of creative team at this point and designing for younger characters, designing for older characters, and you can really pick and choose. And so there are going to be younger characters who are exactly, exactly what you say. They are invested in TikTok. They're invested mm-hmm. in curating their own style they're invested in in the personal expression that comes with fashion. And even I just had my uh, younger uh, nieces and nephews here and they were like, where do you go shopping in New York? Where's some going on? I was like, well, are you a retail shopper or are you a thrift shopper? Like I had to ask mm-hmm. because people are, are choosing the way they shop based on so many things now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know which direction to send them without knowing what their personal vibes are. And it, that was sort of an interesting realization for me where in the past, I would have just given you a laundry list of New York stores, like can't miss New York stores, but that's not necessarily how people present themselves now. It's not necessarily how they shop anymore. And globally, there's so much fashion too. You can follow, you know, fashion influencers or TikTokers or from uh, YouTubers from all over the globe and then take your style in that direction. It's mm-hmm. not just 
you know, whatever you're getting out of New York, what you're getting out of Paris, whatever you're getting out of Milan. Yeah. So, I mean, totally like there's just the sheer breadth of inspiration that you can take right now. It's, it's a little daunting, but it's it overwhelming. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> Sometimes it's really overwhelming. Yeah. Can you maybe talk a bit about your approach with styling each individual character? With the girls? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, I, oh, I wonder if I, I don't think I still have them. I remember doing design boards for my pitch to Lena and Jenny. Jenny Connor uh, was our co-EP, co on-set producer, um, co-everything. you know co -everything. And Hannah's was very much vintage. Hannah's style was very much vintage-inspired. Mm -hmm. Sort of keying into her dreams of being a writer and and not necessarily being interested in fashion as a medium she's more interested in writing she's interested in in self-expression in trying to be serious and it at the time was young enough as a character that I don't know that Hannah ever realized that you can leverage fashion you can leverage clothing to be part of that and it's not right for everyone and that's just something that that was specific about Hannah and so it was very uh 70s driven the inspiration board lots of mustard and tea and avocado and it sort of sat with her apartment full disclosure I didn't do the pilot so I had a huge advantage coming into the series and being able to see the world that had been set up mm -hmm. and there were a lot of things that changed um but I also knew that Hannah lived in sort of a hodgepodge of an apartment and that was insanely helpful for creating a hodgepodge of a closet as well and you know everything was thrifted in terms and strange off colors and but but she also liked that like she mm -hmm. Hannah really pictured herself as this sort of indie writer downtown fixture and to sort of incorporate that in, into all of her clothing as well like she really did thrift in Williamsburg Williamsburg for for the record was not the million dollar apartments that it is now at the time <laughs> Williamsburg was a bunch of kids out of college who could afford apartments if you went five to an apartment um and then Marnie's was the opposite. She it was all about how the characters saw themselves and trying to get that out through their clothes. You know, Mar Marnie saw herself as a sort of polished, aspiring gallerist, really put together, um, professional, and you know, going places. And so we tried to reflect that through cleaner lines and structured dresses and things that were maybe a little too old for her that didn't quite sit right. Not because of the tailoring, but they just didn't. They felt a little too grown up. Felt like she was trying too hard. Um, and then, you know, her closet is one of the biggest evolutions. Hers and Jess's really evolved through the series because Marnie as a character starts to take these crazy swings. And so the clothes go right along with it. And then Shoshana was in college at the beginning of the series. And so I was really trying to reflect that she is not yet out into the world. So she's got a little bit of a comfortable cushion behind her. She's still got either you know, Auntie Eileen's money or uh, mom's credit card at Bloomingdale's. And so we did actually shop at some retail stores reflecting that she had means that Hannah didn't have. You know, we see Hannah get cut off in the first episode. So where mm -hmm. is she getting her clothes? And we really tried, I tried to keep that as a through line for all of the characters. Where are the clothes really coming from? Which isn't right for every show, but it was really right for girls. And 
you know, method shopping is not, is kind of, I don't know, I guess it was something that I started with that show. I'm sure a million other people have done it before me, but it felt really right to actually write up lists of where Hannah might shop. And L train Mm -hmm. vintage was way at the top of that and actually write a list of where Marnie might shop. And century 21 was up there as well as Bloomingdale's as well as the, you know, the Ely Tahari outlet. Um, And for Shoshana, I was like, Oh, she's just going to pop to Bloomingdale's because she's on the NYU campus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's got her guy over there and she's going to go chat with them. (laughs) And her color palette was intentionally at the time I called it cosmetic colors. So those really soft, shimmery, you know, light blues and light pinks and nudes and LA slippers, all those great colors of the nail salon from 2011. Um, and that was really to help set Shoshana apart as a young character who was really invested in femininity, but also had her mood boards and her her vision boards and was really curating a life for herself. So her wardrobe was a little bit more curated and specifically feminine and and leveraging some of the great brands that were hitting that that spot at the time like Shoshana was a brand we actually used on Shoshana and Z and I used to giggle about it all the time um Rebecca Taylor um it was before Zimmerman sort of came in and took over and then went into the I'm gonna forget whatever micro trend it was um but at the time there was this sort of fiercely feminine thing that was happening and it was great for Shoshana and and I leveraged that to dress her and then Jessa who knows we have no we have no idea still to this day what her I don't know what her backstory fully is but Mm -hmm. she's this exotic creature with this amazing accent and this incredible sense of style that's also completely weird Mm -hmm. and over the top and it used to make me bonkers when I'd see write-ups and I'd be like Jess is this bohemian I'm like she's not bohemian she's also a hot mess she just looks really good being a hot mess (laughs) and I used to try and, and leverage eclecticism as opposed to bohemian just so that I had more flexibility and a more sort of open closet when it came to dressing her so that it wasn't, I kept finding that the word bohemian kept getting distilled down into what it now is referred to as festival style. Flower mm-hmm. crowns and flowy white dresses. And Jessa did that once, did twice. But she had sheer underneath, sheer underwear underneath it in my defense. Um, mm-hmm. But we, with her, it was always, Jessa was always trying to push boundaries. She was trying to push boundaries. She was trying to push people's buttons. She didn't really care what people thought of her, but she really cared that she looked effortless doing it. And that's kind of where we wanted to keep her fashion. So she was wearing things that were totally impractical for the jobs that she was doing, you know, floor length dresses to go babysitting, giant feather shoulder pieces to go to a loft party where people are getting into fights. Like it was, that was always the through line of her wardrobe is, is it a little bit over the top? Is it a little bit outlandish? Is it a little bit inappropriate? So that's kind of where they all started. Um, And those were sort of the mood boards for each of them, all the images that I could find to back that up. And I did, I did images for, for Hannah's parents, Mm -hmm. um, the guys, Ray was definitely up there. I, Charlie, I remember doing a board for um, I feel like yeah. Charlie would be extremely well suited for the current menswear moment. Like his style is so like current, like Emily on door, like all that. Like he he he'd really fit in well, I think, with kind of like this kind of like norm core like dad moment. That he was really yeah, he was kind of doing like, that before it was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the time when his budget was Uniqlo. 
yeah i think we used a ton of uniqlo on him to be mm-hmm. honest because it was you know great little button front shirts that weren't super stuffy one I of love- my f- oh wait julia go on you first well one of my favorite fashion transformations for any character across the show is hannah's dad once he comes out of the closet and starts kind of i mean dressing like a, a middle-aged gay guy like it is it's such a it's funny but it's also like bittersweet too just to kind of like he's trying on a lot of hats like metaphorically not literally but like it's it's sweet to see it but also very funny because they're so ostentatious compared to what he was wearing before yeah and that was a hundred percent intentional and and it may not have been hats, but he was metaphorically trying on a bunch of polo shirts. That's for yeah. sure. And, you know, we switched him to white jeans and was like, whoa, what is going on? And cowboy boots. Some of that was scripted, which was amazing because then there was something to jump off from. And some of it was throwing things on Peter in the fitting room and seeing what happened. And he was always so game. Um, he was sort of like, yeah, if it works for Tad, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that about him is that he was, and Becky, Becky Ann Baker too, because she has this crazy transformation. She Mm -hmm. goes from, you know, Midwestern professor mom to rock and roll inspired Midwestern mom. It was very confusing Mm -hmm. and very amazing all at the same time. So both of those actors were insanely gracious and insanely game. And be like, so here's a studded cold shoulder skull t-shirt Becky and what do you think of this and she'd be like well let's try it you mm-hmm. know and Peter was the same way I'm like so this is a pink shirt we're gonna put some driving mocks on and a white jean with a blue belt be like okay great <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was really fun to have the flexibility and the the openness and we'd also been together for you know four and five seasons at that point so I it was they were comfortable being like, yeah, no, that's too far. And and I was comfortable mm-hmm. saying, yep, I agree with you. Maybe that's a little too ostentatious for what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of comfort and trust and, and being willing to try things out in the fitting room just to mm-hmm. see if it landed. And a lot of times it's too far or it doesn't work or, you know, for everything you see on screen, there were five other looks that got tried that, that didn't land for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. To be able to do that with those characters um, and Tad specifically, because he was such a great dad and started as relatable, but that was the thing we wanted to keep was he's still dad and he's still relatable, but he's having this whole other experience in his life. And how do we reflect that with his wardrobe and, and what you see on him? I really like what you said about um, the costumes kind of reflecting money and their age I think those like money and youth are two really big themes in the show I think they're themes in life too mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah they they definitely were and, and the I, it starts with Hannah being cut off like it is a theme of the show of money and how to make money and how to pay your rent and and uh interestingly less about status and money which was kind of great but everything from how to make ends meet to how to make money but also be happy and pay my rent but not also sell my soul so those are i think those are some of the things that attracted me as a human to the show because it it felt like it wasn't just something you deal with in your 20s yes you deal with it hardcore in your 20s and i did and i found that so relatable and then you know we'd get scripts and my wardrobe supervisor at the time was 
a lot older than the girls. And I was older than the girls and my team was about the same age as the girls. And mm-hmm. we'd all end up laughing at the scripts at various points because there were, there were things that landed whether or not you were 22 and trying to find your way in New York. Didn't have to be New York, didn't have to be 22, but those themes of money and how you make money and how you spend money and how you use money and then how you either embrace your youth or are completely ignorant of your youth and Mm -hmm. all the mistakes we make when we're young and sometimes dumb and sometimes have more energy than we have common sense you know it's all of those things that come through in the show that made it such a fun show to dress you know it's it's when else do you get to find the oldest grungiest t-shirt that you can possibly find for hannah because she burst her eardrum by using a cotton swab too deep and now she's walking down the streets of brooklyn in a shirt that barely covers her booty yeah (laughs) it's never gonna happen again (laughs) we just covered that episode a few weeks ago and that one of the most harrowing episodes like harrowing harrowing episodes of the show um so all the characters have a pretty big style evolution over the course of the show like which which character was the most fun to track the evolution of like because everyone ends so differently from where they began that's a real sophie's choice right there Mm -hmm. i Uh, that the whole reason I do this is because I love dressing characters and the messier more idiosyncratic quirkier stranger the better and so Mm -hmm. for me it's kind of all because I don't I don't have to and don't get me wrong I I I have loved dressing some of those shows where they're glossy and fashiony and everyone just gets better and better and better over time but they're always going to be on point and dressed well um and that's really fun and it's a different challenge than taking some characters that are starting young and messy and then ending up basically going on this journey where we never figure out if they've actually found themselves or not. Mm -hmm. And that's really rewarding to just, for me, to just track that evolution without knowing if it ever gets resolved. And, you know, we leave Marnie, she started in these professional sheath dresses and ended up in kind of a version of what we now call festival style. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of great. That style didn't exist at that point the way that it does now. But Marnie was really trying to find herself. And she was willing to, later in the series, take some risks that, you know, Alice and I would be in the fitting room and we'd be laughing because both of us were like, this is so dumb. This clothing is so dumb. And yet it's so perfect for where Marnie is right now because mm-hmm. she's trying so hard. And she's so trying so hard to be you know, hip and cool in Brooklyn. And it's kind of landing just like that. She's not really hip or cool, but at least she's trying to be herself for the first time in the whole series, you know, where Jessa sort of goes the opposite way. She starts this like crazy over the top ostentatious distraction of a closet and then ends up sort of distilling things and getting a little less over the top. But she doesn't, you never really know where Jessa lands. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of great to be able to keep dressing that where, she goes through rehab and she's in literally jean shorts and a Wu-Tang shirt. Like she, I think is probably the most in touch with using clothing as a way to express herself, Jessa, the character. And so to be able to dress that kind of character that really understands the language of clothes is equally gratifying, even though at no point did we joke about how dumb the clothes were in our fitting because they were, they were just all over the place. Her clothes to me are the only ones that don't, 
seem dated as much like i i feel like <laughs> well no i mean this is more of like a lesson like oh they're like tired and out of fashion and le- more like stuck in time like you can i really, know what you mean yeah yeah you can really see like shoshana's whole like yeah like the bloomingdale's aesthetic but she still has all of her juicy couture and uggs from high school like yep. hannah's like the 70s like shorter alls all those are very like kind of like <laughs> like adult playwear which was like such a thing back then too it like, was yeah and now you can't find a romper anywhere yeah. <laughs> to dress characters and you can't find one and that's okay with me I'm okay with that yeah. but yeah Hannah's Hannah's vibe was very Hannah's look was very much of that moment mm-hmm. very much of that moment but yeah I think because we weren't trying to make Jessa appear like she was she wasn't tapped into that as a character. She wasn't tapped yeah. into what was going on in fashion at all. Not that any of them were. And I, I said it at the time, and I'll say it again now, that it's very dangerous from where I sit to try to have a show that's following trend. Yeah. Because there's so much time between when you shoot an episode and when it shows up on screen. And so there, it's it ends up being really dangerous, like, this year, I've my whole mantra has been no Crocs, no Crocs, no Crocs, no Crocs, <laughs> because by the time whatever I'm, I know, I know I can't. Um, <laughs> by the time whatever I'm working on airs, that trend will be gone, yeah. and it's going to timestamp the show in a way that isn't necessarily helpful for characters. And it was something that we did with girls. Like there were there were some major trends at the time that would have been really appropriate for the character and the character would have worn those things, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to timestamp it as, you know, April of 2011. Like there was a whole bass moment where bass loafers came back around again and everyone yeah. was wearing bass loafers. And I kept telling my team, I mean, my team was like me and my ACD, my assistant costume designer who was shopping. I was like, we can't do the bass loafers. We did a couple um, with, we did a couple of Rachel Antonoff, uh, for bass club but mm-hmm. other than that we really tried to sidestep some of those really key moments that we've all forgotten about but at the time were insanely salient and really would have been appropriate for a character but i was just worried that by the time the show aired you know nine months later seven months later depending on the schedule those trends would at least cement it in a period in time that wasn't real and wasn't right and I still I still do that I'm a little wary of things that are Crocs being an example um but the the uh feel a disturber sneaker from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. you know I would I had actors who were requesting it I was like Here, here's why I, I will bring it into the fitting room and here's why I'm going to tell you I really don't want to use it because it's going to really cement us into May of 2019 and that's not what this show is about. And, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, that yeah. is such a direct so, hit to me. Like, I bought those <laughs> I'm shoes. sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's I'm okay. Sorry. I bought those shoes two months after it was, like, hot to buy those shoes. And, like, I had, like, a three-month window in which they were, like, and okay to wear and then never again. No shade. No yeah. shade. They, they, I worked with the character that we did end up using them because it was a totally appropriate thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean here's my thing i dress characters that are all over the map 
So I'm not super judgy about fashion, except for a couple of very small things that I will not confess to in this moment because I don't want anyone to hold them against me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it comes to trends for TV, it's something we thought we actually thought a lot about with girls and more within my own department because the show was never supposed to be fashion driven. It was never supposed to be trend driven. But given that they were young characters who would have been at least influenced by whoever was walking down the street next to them in Brooklyn, I wanted to be careful with some of those really specific trends that would have been dialed into a couple months of the early 2010s, where mm-hmm. the bigger themes like Hannah's thrifted wardrobe were so right for character that kind of doesn't matter. And yeah, now she looks like a time capsule, but so did I in my photos yeah. from <laughs> when I was in college. So mm-hmm. that's appropriate for her. Definitely. What were what were some of your most favorite or favorite or most memorable girls costumes? The plastic dress immediately, oh, hands down. <laughs> um, a lot of them are ones that, that I made for the show. So the plastic dress I actually made, like I riveted it together. I did the whole thing. Um, I had some insanely talented tailors who worked on the show with me. So I didn't necessarily make a lot of the things. The, the um, Marnie's red dress that was supposed to be a Bob Mackie original um but it couldn't be because it couldn't be vintage because she fell in a, the central park pond mm-hmm. uh, so that was an original that i designed and we made for her and then we painted it we painted we we built three maybe four this is where my memory gets a little faulty um we painted the bottom to look muddy and wet because as you know we shoot everything in whatever order the locations allow so we ended up shooting her coming out of charlie's loft on a completely different day than she was actually in the water. And I'm pretty sure the water was shot in a pool in Chelsea. So we painted one of those dresses so that it would look like she was wet, muddy, and miserable, but the miserable was the acting and the dress was actually dry. Oh, wow. uh, okay. The fruit bustier, uh, mm-hmm. because that was scripted, but where do you go buy one of those? <laughs> um, and we needed it in two sizes, one for Lena and one for uh, the, our other actor, Gavin, because they switch clothes on camera. Um, the mesh tank top, because I'll never live it down. What's not mm-hmm. to love? Um, Shoshana's Tokyo closet. Yeah. I loved Ugh. it. We also we did that at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And it was all based off of Shoshana and what I knew of her, and then some inspiration from from Japan Street style. And um, we didn't shoot that until like four months after we fit it, and then we flew to Japan and did that, and somehow the clothes all still worked, even though we had such a break between when we fit them and when we when we shot them. And it, it, they were just a bit out of character for Shoshana in the mm-hmm. best way and really were this amazing moment of what Shoshana dreams her life would be, taking this job in Japan and how she should dress and incorporating some pieces that we shopped in Tokyo and having it be just this sort of time slash career slash character capsule for her it was really really insanely fun to do mm-hmm. yeah I, I, the transformational aspects of those tokyo costumes specifically are like unbelievable because it's such it's such a shock to see where she was prior to that storyline and then like the hair is different like yep. the color the color palette so different like she's in like unisex or menswear stuff almost 
and in a lot of ways part, a little bit and part of that inspiration was was some of the origami I call mm-hmm. them origami pieces where they were tank tops that were all square corners mm-hmm. that we then layered over white blouses menswear style yeah that was that was insanely fun to do Jess's wedding dress um mm-hmm. Jemima really helped me with that because her mother at the time owned Geminola which was this insane vintage archive magical place in the West Village and um and Jemima really had an amazing insight into what that dress should be just like it's going to be there and then I think I spent my whole budget on those McQueen shoes because if someone's going to have something fabulous on their wedding day it's definitely going to be Jessa Um, and then that flower crown and I railed flower crowns after that because flower crowns were everywhere and I don't know that it was anything to do with the show I think that the show tapped into something that was happening at festivals and vice versa and then after that there were flower crowns everywhere but that one I made from vintage vintage ribbon and vintage silk flowers because I didn't want to use real flowers um because they would die on camera while we shot the scene and then that veil it was like it's gonna have a veil it's not gonna be a veil veil it's gonna be something else and it was um vintage gold mesh mm-hmm. we cut to sit on her face the, the fitting photo i have of that outfit is still one of my favorite fitting photos of all time it just looks absolutely ethereal and i mean she's yeah. incredible on camera and camera loves her but that was a real that was season one so it was you know it was a big deal that that moment was right and that it actually it landed when it aired and that was really gratifying and to this day, when you go back and watch that episode, like it is so tired to be like, oh, flower crowns are, you know, dated, like ta- kind of tacky festival wear now. But like, it looks so cool and chic in context with everything. Yeah. Like it's she it's it's a perfect use of that sort of accessory. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. We did it again. I, we, you know, we repeated ourselves. Um, I say we because I'm always thinking of, you know, Lena and Jenny and having discussions with our directors. And and uh, when Marnie got married, Marnie had a real flower crown. Mm-hmm. What a bitch. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Um, the designer of the dress. Again, I'm going to blank on the nitty gritty. Um, Stone Fox Bride. And I don't think that uh, the business is around anymore. Had a contact who did flower crowns. And so she made me flower crowns that also had herbs in them so they would stand up longer so there was rosemary mm-hmm. and sage and then these beautiful flowers and of course the first one started dying and so I remember having to like connect with her at a some sort of uh it wasn't a fair or a festival it was like a, a flea market is the wrong word it was it was an event where vendors come together and and it's like crafts and vintage and I know there's a word for this and I'm mm-hmm. sorry that I'm forgetting it but they used to be it's like renegade renegade craft fair they used to be insanely popular and mm-hmm. renegade is still going and it's amazing this was something like that but it was local and I remember meeting her at her booth to pick up more flower crafts to drive them upstate because the ones on Marnie's head were dying on camera and my team on set was like Jen we can't keep them alive like and we had refrigeration we had water spray we had the whole nine yards ready to go for that and they were just dying and um and now I understand why our set decoration team uses a lot of silk flowers and centerpiece because it's just not 
it's not worth it. It's so hard to keep up with continuity. Uh, but it was fun to go full circle and have Marnie wear, wear an actual festival level flower crown for her wedding, sort of as this trend driven decision where Jessa's was just because she was being Jessa. It's kind of a full, full circle mm-hmm. moment. Right. Yeah. Like we said, just looked so natural on Jessa and so uh, free people on Marnie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess that's just like style in general. So much of it is owning what you wear. Yeah. And I mean, passage of time, but like you have to, God, sorry, I sound like Tim Gunn, but you have to like sell the garment a little bit. Like you actually have to have the personality that matches what you're wearing otherwise well, and that's like the difference between style and costume I guess you're 100 right and there's there it's something I talk about a lot in the fitting room either with my team or with actors where I'm like this looks like a costume this feels mm-hmm. like it's wearing you that's not what we're trying every now and then you are trying to do that you know you are trying to find something that is stealing the scene but mm-hmm. in most cases that's not my job and even when you do huge fashion shows and it's over the top and glamorous like there is there's that and it's it's an intuitive thing that you really have to collaborate with the actors and and, and my whole thing with 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 cast members and I was in girls the whole mantra was well it's here you're here you never know let's put it on mm-hmm. and and it was sort of a try anything and in later seasons the girls would come back to me and be like well I've learned from you that could look terrible on the hanger but try anything and some yeah. of those things would be amazing and then it, that's still something that I, that I live by. Try anything because it might be amazing, but also it can't wear you. It can't steal the scene. And that's that's something that that is really important and was important for the girls too, is that the clothes, uh, that's I think why it still shocks me that people talk about the clothes because they weren't supposed to be the thing people were talking about. Um, but they were such a part of conveying the messiness and the chaos of these characters that it's really gratifying that it still comes up mm-hmm. and that the the girls in the clothes are are forever intertwined. Speaking of uh, mess and chaos, we do have to talk about the dress that Marnie wears when she sings Stronger at Charlie's office party in season two. <laughs> I'd love to hear like what went into that decision did she just put it on and you said, yep. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the blue color block dress, right? Yeah. yeah. And she's at Charlie's office. It's his party. Celebration. Yeah. She's like trying to get him back almost. And she sells the mic in a really inappropriate gesture of confused love and adoration. Yeah. Um, the the stealing the mic thing was a little bit impromptu. Obviously, it wasn't for me. I knew it was coming because it was in the script. Um, but the thinking behind that was, what's the wrong choice? What's the wrong choice for Mar- Marnie to be wearing in this moment? She thinks she's going to a work party. Again, mm-hmm. she's trying to dress for what she thinks is appropriate for this moment and then does this thing that's completely out of character, which is why that dress is perfectly horribly wrong for that moment because... If she were there as a guest, she'd be the cool girl in the cool dress talking to the CEO of the startup. But then she goes a step or 70,000 steps further and tries to do this thing that's her best effort at being impressive. And it's just, 
it's all wrong. And that was kind of the thinking behind the mm-hmm. dress is this is what you should, but it's really not what you should wear at all for this moment. And also Marnie isn't, she's trying to do something that will seem cool, but it's, it's kind of like what you were just talking about with you have to own, you have to own your style and mm-hmm. you have to find the things that works for you. Marnie was trying to find what worked for her. And so she took this big reach and it ended up looking ridiculous. I don't remember emotionally where that got her, but she looked ridiculous. Well, she not doing... far, but like... <laughs> not far. I remember they didn't get back together. So I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> that that scene gesture. is kind of the enduring one from the show. Like even, it, you know, the show hasn't necessarily had its Gen Z moment yet, but that is one that always makes the rounds on TikTok, on Twitter, like, because it's just, you know, so spectacularly, yeah, heart-wrenching, cringe, like, earnest, and I, I mean, Allison Williams is really having such a moment right now, too, with I mean, she's such an incredible actor, Mm -hmm. and I think that, like, a lot of, like, all of the girls, girls was one of their first big jobs, and so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of confusing the act with their characters for better yeah. or for worse um yeah i mean allison's amazing and i'm so happy to see her getting roles that aren't marnie because that's mm-hmm. what every actor wants to do. i'm putting words in their mouth i assume <laughs> that everyone wants to play a lot of characters um just like i want to dress a lot of characters and i want to go back and forth between projects and so it's great that all of the girls um who are now lovely ladies have gone on to do wildly different things that's that's think part of the reason we all get into this business is Mm -hmm. that you do all these crazy random projects that are interesting stories to tell but yeah that that scene was rough because one you listen to that song on set for hours and hours and hours and hours and you've got all these background amazing background artists dressed for this party and everyone's there for like 12 hours and you start at you know the background are getting dressed at 6 a.m you're dressing for a party at six in the morning and and then yeah yeah and she makes a big gesture and it doesn't work and it's mm-hmm. cringeworthy at yeah. worst um <laughs> and i yeah i think that's why it resonates in part because there's part of me that wishes that you know in a, there's moments in my life where i made the big gesture but it probably would have gone down just like that so i'm glad it probably didn't I think it's interesting how Marnie's outfits and style kinds of changes based on the man she's trying to pursue. Like with Desi, she's kind of free people. And then when she's hosting Booth Jonathan's party, she's wearing the plastic getup. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I'm a cool artist. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then with the the red Bob Mackie Barbie dress. With yeah. Yeah. At the end. But even that plastic dress is in kind of like the Jackie O like cinched at the waist like it like it's a, it could be a 60s party dress very easily like she just feels it's kind of this like wannabe Tinsley Mortimer social aid vibe a little bit but just with a an edgy twist that just does not suit her at all that is 1000% what I was when I got that script there was a note that Marnie was wearing a plastic dress for a lot of the reasons that you're referencing you know she's hosting for Booth. Booth is this crazy artist. She's trying to be what she deems worthy of that situation. And in my head, I was thinking Marnie wouldn't wear a plastic dress unless it's a silhouette she recognizes Mm -hmm. or a silhouette that she understands. And we did 
four versions. Uh, and Lena and Jenny really gravitated towards a different one. And I, it was the first time I really pitched hard for something because I thought that for character, it was really important that we had a silhouette that felt like Marnie because the material was so foreign to Marnie mm -hmm. and Lena and Jenny were insanely gracious and they were like, yeah, cool. Great. Go with it. Go for it. Um, which was awesome to work with such a collaborative team of showrunners and producers and, and have an environment where I felt like I could. And even after, because usually what happens is you send fitting photos, the producers and directors make a choice and you run with it. That's, mm -hmm. that's the whole discussion. And this, this particular moment, I felt, I just felt like I should at least reply saying, I feel strongly that this, this silhouette would be really great for this moment. And for them to be like, yeah, cool. Totally get it. That was insanely gratifying. You know, I was a really young designer at the time. Girls was my first full on design job. Um, you know, I designed independent theater and music videos and, and stuff probably never saw the light of day. And I've been working in film and television for a while. And I'd be an assistant designer over at the good way for a couple of seasons. Mm. And so for, to have such a collaborative environment and feel like even as a young designer, I was, I could bring my opinion to the table and, and have it be heard and have it, have it really play on screen was really awesome. Um, and that was just one of those moments that, that it all came together because of exactly what you're seeing in the scene. Like Marnie's again, trying so hard. She's dressing for context. She's dressing to impress someone. Um, but I still wanted to keep her silhouette there. It's still somehow Marnie had to understand that piece of clothing in in order to wear it definitely i um i always think about the bushwick warehouse episode that we were talking about earlier um it's such a good as we you mentioned earlier it's like a really good example of all these different girls styles and what they're trying to say and it's also the first episode where we see all the characters in one place so I'm curious, like, how did you think about the looks in relation to one another? Well, every episode I would put together, uh, now I call it looks by scene and I do it for every show, but for that, for girls, uh, things were still a bit analog as we've discussed. And so my actual, uh, I, every episode I have a meeting with the writer and Lena and Jenny, uh, so that I could show them the looks that I had pulled. They had all, they'd seen all of the looks in advance because we would do big closet fittings at the beginning of every season. And that loft party fell relatively early-ish in the season or middle middle of the season. So those looks, um, I'm pretty sure for Hannah, Jessa, I had gotten a heads up on. That feather piece had been in a different fitting. And mm -hmm. Lena emailed me back and she's like, hey, feathers aren't right for this character, but don't let go of it. Um, which was amazing because at the time it was insanely expensive. The feather piece was an and Meester vest that we'd found mm -hmm. up at Woodbury Commons. So I was, you know, ready to send it back because $300 was a ton of money in my budget at that moment. And Lena giving me that heads up. I was like, oh, cool. Got it. Um, so I believe we ended up fitting Jemima as for the episode. Shoshana, we obviously had to fit because I didn't know in her closet fitting that her skirt was going to disappear halfway through the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, so we fit something, I specifically wanted something that you would notice when it was gone, mm. not just like an, oh, weird, her skirt went away, but like she was wearing sequins on half of her body 
And now those sequins are not here anymore. What mm-hmm. happened to her skirt kind of thing? Um, but then uh, I'm pretty sure Marnie and Hannah were from their closets. And so what I do is I go through and put together a board that shows all the characters together. And uh, as I went through the seasons, I started doing doing that digitally. So I put them all in a uh, PDF and either email them on a screen uh, but in those early seasons, they were on boards. They were printed fitting photos on boards so that you could see, that I could see, and the producers could see, and the director could see what the characters would look like standing next to her. And with girls, it was mainly about controlling the chaos, intentionally so, where it wasn't, you know, do all these colors work together? Is this a pleasing group? You know, is it balanced? It was more along the lines of do all of these characters look uniquely individual to themselves and no one's mm-hmm. clashing too hard um that was also the episode where adam's in a crazy camouflage blacklight shirt which yep. was something we found the shirt thrifted and then hand colored it with blacklight markers so that it would actually glow because again what store do you go to for <laughs> hunting camo blacklight shirt mm-hmm. um and i think charlie's was from his closet so it's it was always this process of of pulling things from their closets fitting for exactly the moment that was happening in the scene and then putting them all down on paper so that i could really evaluate are we good or something really out of whack and we need to switch something out and then i would present those to the directors and there was one episode i remember uh I don't even remember what the costume was about or which character it was, but one of our directors saw the lineup and said, that's not going to work because these two colors of these two characters are too close together. So, and then, you know, I'd swap in a look from their backup. So it was a really helpful tool in putting things like the party together or for Marnie's wedding. I actually did a printed out board, same thing. So you could see Marnie and Desi and Ray and, uh, Marnie's mom you know you could see all those characters together mm-hmm. on one board even though yes uh Hannah Shoshana and Jessa were all in bridesmaids outfits those crazy horrible lavender dresses um mm-hmm. we wanted to see the whole party together so you could see what that would look like so when we had big scenes not just the Bushwick Loft party but throughout the series we would do I would do boards or a pdf so you could see everybody together mm-hmm. another big everyone together episode is the beach house episode where Hannah's wearing (laughs) green bikini love to hear about that as well maybe the backstory behind that decision the greenie the the bikini she wears like the entire time during the I'm so grateful I can say the green bikini was in the script Um, (laughs) but we did pull in a rack of green bikinis we got our hands on every green bikini that we possibly could get our hands on and uh remember where that one was but it was the worst fitting worst color most awkward bikini we could find so that's what ended up being the bikini mm-hmm. uh, and you know obviously lena wrote it all so she knew what was coming so it wasn't a matter of of you know she was all in in our fittings yeah. and it, that was really great because she was like no we need the one that's the not good green bikini like that's kind of the whole point um and then that's an episode where again marnie was trying so hard to be the perfect hostess and um they're kind of all in their own wavelengths mm-hmm. it was sort of one of the things about that episode is that it was a bottle and that it happened all at one location for the most part but it was really about them actually not really connecting for the first time in a long time 
And so their, their looks were super disjointed as well, because that's kind of what it was about. Yeah. I don't remember a lot about the episode because there were, um, I remember being on the North Fork of Long Island, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. I remember hand applying plastic fruit to Hannah's beach hat. I don't remember why. <laughs> I remember that we had a crazy green, like Florida grandmother inspired visor for Jessa, but we had to cut it at the last minute because it was casting a green shadow over her whole face. Mm-hmm. And the director was just like, Jen, no, we cannot do that. She looks green and like not cute green. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, the, I remember the weird things that fell out of that episode. But one of the reasons I don't remember so much of the episode is that it basically took place over one day. So once we got the girls up and going, I would run back to the city and keep going on the next episode and then go back out a couple of days later for, you know, whatever costume change that they had. And there weren't tons of them. Or when the guys showed up, then I would go back out to set. Um, we used to call those episodes out of town camp girls mm-hmm. and they were always so much fun because you'd go out with the crew and the cast and people would stay in a hotel room for a week. And so even, you know, I felt like I was a, a little bit at away at summer camp while we shot those episodes, just because you were away, you were away with the cast and crew shooting this whole episode. So your whole day, your whole week became about being on set and then hanging out. We'd all go out to dinner after, after hours and, um, it was a dream job, you know, well, so many of us mm-hmm. planned our shooting schedules, our work schedules, jobs, we would take around being able to go back to girls because it was such yeah. a magical crew and team. And the, the, the team changed out, over but it was such a wonderful set to be on that. I made sure that my schedule would bring me back to girls every year. Speaking of the Hannah bikini, Hannah, was a big topic of discussion when girls aired mm-hmm. um, how did like the idea of hannah's body play into the costume choices it didn't yeah it's not my job to to figure out to comment on an actor's body that's not what i do mm-hmm. i make sure that the clothes tell the story of the character and whatever size or height or shape or whatever the actor is is what we love that's what we're that's what we're dressing because that's the physical expression of the character so um yeah i just we we look at um you know what was on like contemporary criticism of the show a lot and there was so much flack against lena and the character of hannah for like wearing very revealing clothing in a lot of ways and like i mean it's such it's criticism that has aged incredibly poorly, obviously, because like you, I mean, you simply cannot talk about people's bodies like that. In oh, but people still do. People yeah, people still, still do. do. It's actually still yeah. really brutal. And and I shouldn't be so flippant as to say, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't something I that I got involved with. Um, when people would ask, when when interviewers or people would ask me about Lena's body, mm-hmm. I, those are not my questions to answer. Oh yeah. You know, I'm a costume designer. I do the clothes, but it was something that we definitely, you know, those revealing clothes were on purpose. That was part mm-hmm. of the character. It was part of her, Hannah, not Lena, part of Hannah saying, I don't care. I don't mm-hmm. care what you think. I like this. This makes me feel fun or this makes me feel confident or it makes me feel, you know, and these are all things I'm imagining in my head because yeah. I'm telling you the clothes. And so the clothes were altered to be unflattering and so that i think that was part of the flack is that 
I was intentionally making the hemlines the wrong length for mm-hmm. Lena. Like it was really fun to dress Lena well. Yeah. I didn't dress her off screen, but there were moments where Hannah had you put together her times or whatever. And that was really fun too. But and the, the goal is yeah. not to like make fun of anyone's body with this. It's to highlight like how yeah. this person's not necessarily in touch with themselves or not necessarily in touch with their style. Like it's not, it's no one's the butt of the joke intentionally. Yes. Uh, that's actually the most important takeaway is that we weren't making fun of any of the girls mm-hmm. through their style choices or I I wasn't. And if that ever happened, that would be horrifying because the intention was to show where the girls were, whether physically or emotionally or professionally and have their clothing reflect that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with Hannah, I I don't think Hannah was a character who cared about looking quote unquote good mm-hmm. or having a quote unquote style. My approach to her closet was always, does Hannah think this is fun? Does mm-hmm. Hannah think this is quirky? Does Hannah think this is a little in your face or irreverent? Sort of, it's sort of the moment where she goes to work for Ray at the coffee shop and shows mm-hmm. up wearing this actually really pretty white dress. <laughs> and for the first time, he's like, what are you doing? Like she went for really well put together and in that moment actually made the wrong choice Yeah, where she usually makes the wrong choice and ends up looking a hot mess and then has to go home and change. And that for me was a real moment of, you know, Hannah really tried and she was almost better when she didn't and mm-hmm. when she was just for herself. And so that's what the clothes were all about is, you know, what does Hannah think is fun and it had nothing to do with whether or not someone else thought it was flattering. She mm-hmm. thought it was great. So she was going to wear it. So I guess last question or wrap things up a little bit. Um, if girls were set in 2023, where do you think their styles would be? Uh, to answer your question with a question, are they still in their young 20s or are they now in their 30s? <sighs> are we doing the movie version or are we doing the series you know- if it were... Let's do that. Let's do the movie version. Okay. Yeah. I think that's more interesting almost because like I feel like people in their early 20s right now, like we see that on TikTok a little bit. Like I'm much more interested in like early to mid 30s. A bit more like if the girls were on screen for the first time now, they might be a little bit more curated and a little bit more savvy because there would have to be an acknowledgement of TikTok and uh, Depop and you know, all of these things that influence the way that we dress and mm-hmm. they, you know, Hannah might've been simpler. Hannah might've been just sort of more norm core if it was, if we were shooting it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she were at the point in her life where she was a success, successful writer, great hope is that she'd still be quirky as fuck mm-hmm. and living somewhere deep in Brooklyn and still wearing the things that are fun, but they're probably a little bit, more appropriate maybe mm-hmm. less inappropriate i'm not sure but I, I you know my great hope is that hannah continued railing against the rules in an irreverent way um but is hopefully doing that through you know young designers who are making their cool stuff in brooklyn as opposed mm-hmm. to thrift stores though maybe she's, she's still thrifting i mean mm-hmm. i was back out at l train in bushwick a couple weeks ago and found some great stuff so you never know you know jess is probably 
gone through a million evolutions and is mm-hmm. potentially back where she started or you know for her it really depending on where she landed is she still in the u.s is she still trying to track down babysitting jobs i doubt it you know she probably mm-hmm. found something that really called to her and then her style probably settled and it probably settled along more of the lines of the you know the the great jean shorts and the Tang shirt or mm-hmm. it's evolved to be whatever we're doing now that is a version of that but it would still be all about her again you know the things that she likes the things, things that she gravitates to and it'd probably still be wildly eclectic mm-hmm. i can't imagine just stopped traveling after all of that shoshana's probably still super on point she's mm-hmm. probably a lifestyle blogger and doing amazing and yeah. looks amazing and maybe looks like she's in the knives out series <laughs> 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 that's <laughs> probably shoshana marnie who knows i think she's probably still trying to find herself but maybe she's settled a little bit and and is still sort of doing that you know floaty pseudo bohemian thing but in a yeah. little bit more up way maybe like a a vampire's wife kind of that yeah. with some zimmerman and homey yeah. and you know she grew up and sort of settled into it and now she's now she's chilled out and she I, marnie probably knows what she likes and what works for her and maybe develop some sort of uniform but it's still cool interesting and i'm hoping that if you know marnie in her 30s now that she she'd be like the cool mom mm-hmm. you know she, she sort of went through all of that quarter life crisis to actually figure out a good place to land you know hannah might mm-hmm. still be messy and all over the place but marnie might be a little bit more settled mm-hmm. in a good way in a good way <laughs> you know they all would have had to grow up at some point <laughs> maybe that was a perfect answer i can see the movie now (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i think they're i I think it's good that we left them where they are that way they'll always be in our hearts but we don't have to actually know where they landed you know there's nothing worse than going back to your college reunion being like oh that is not at all what i think happened like we're good i like you know let's just remember them being cool and young and all over the place even just like looking through the lens of costume design, like I watched in just like that last year and Sex and the City is obviously such a huge formative show in terms of costume design and how like TV style really spilled out into the real world. And I thought a lot of the costume design for in just like that was fairly on point, but some of it, some of the evolution that we talked about just now, like didn't feel super consistent across every character, but maybe that's just the difference from going from Pat field to whoever, I don't know who did the, um, the reboot. Molly did. Molly was on the team for, for the first, I have, that I haven't actually gotten like that. I, Knives Out was way up there <laughs> to get all over that. <laughs> uh, White Lotus. <laughs> just yeah. Lotus. There's so much content. That's been the thing that's yeah. been really interesting to watch in the last, even the last four years, that there's now so much to watch that it's really hard to keep up with it. And and the same can be true of costumes. It's so exciting that, that costumes are getting the coverage, even, you know, even with the shows that I just mentioned. And then Emily in Paris and, and just like that. And and it's sort of going back and forth between film and television. It's no longer just a, everyone wants to talk about movie clothes. Nobody cares about TV clothes. You know, the, the characters are in our living rooms with us, whether they're in a film or in a series. It's all becoming mm-hmm. really accessible. So it's really gratifying that costumes are becoming, I mean, back to Euphoria, becoming 
part of what we talk about when we talk about a show. And there's just now so many more shows that it's sometimes hard to keep up with yeah. not just the costumes, but the but the characters as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. That was was a great, like, full circle moment. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's really fun to go a little bit down memory lane in a way that I don't. Part of what I do is is get rid of all the things that I, because, you know, you work on so many shows back to back that I start forgetting what episode went where. So it's Mm -hmm. really lovely to have a reminder of Marnie (laughs) doing a horrible rap (laughs) against a brick wall at an office party. (laughs) Do you have any upcoming projects that you're able to potentially share with people so people can uh, look for your work? I am hoping uh, the project that I shot last year is called Dear Edward, and I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that it should be airing on Apple Plus in the next couple of months. It's it's scheduled for spring. So that's the next one. And it is the opposite of girls. It's a lot of very real characters wearing very real clothes um it was really fun to be in a totally different brain space and you know getting notes that were like no no too dressy too done too dressy too done and we're literally not even doing like I wasn't doing anything crazy put together and it, so it was really fun to people like real people living their lives and dealing with real issues and the clothes are not at all supposed to be noticeable mm-hmm. um so I'm excited to see that hopefully in the next couple of months and then TBD looking for the next one well thank you again so much for being here this was an absolute treat and uh yeah well and just julie and i will see everyone next week with the official kickoff to season three all right bye thank you so much for having me Bye. bye